0: Well, welcome to episode 300 and a little bit of new music there. Mike and I spent hours searching through music. And in fact, we had that already bought and paid for. We used to use it way, way back when we were doing Renting for Profit. I think it was, we we started a little radio show probably about 10 years ago. And we use that music. And I first, and then I heard it and I thought, this is it. This is what I want to use for episode 300. And hey, this is a real milestone for us. You know, I started the podcast back in 2013, but didn't really make a commitment to it until January of 2014. And I remember doing the course in 2013 with Cliff Ravenscraft, and I've mentioned him before. He's been on the show. And he said at that time, if you don't get beyond episode seven, you probably won't do anything with a podcast. You have to make a commitment. And in that first year in 2013, I think I did seven episodes. So he was exactly right. I just sort of got stuck. So January 2014 rolled around, and Mike and I sat down, and we decided if we were really going to make a go of it, we'd have to commit wholeheartedly to publishing it weekly. And since then, we have not missed an episode. And just to give you a bit of background, creating an episode, particularly if it's an interview, can take up to five or six hours, sometimes a little longer, because all that goes into it is scheduling a guest – You know, making all the phone calls and the connections to get somebody to come on the show. Preparing the questions, because I always I want to make it easy on my guests. I don't sort of let them come in at the deep end. I want them to know in advance what I'm going to be talking about. I mean, we often don't stay on topic, as you probably know, (laughs) because things come to me during an interview. And anyway. So but I do prepare some questions for them. Then I do the interview itself, which Um, is around 30 to 40 minutes. And then there's all the post-production work that's involved. So editing, creating the show notes, and then finally publishing it. And it takes a long, long time. And I could outsource some of this and may do uh, as as we go into the future here. But up until now, I've done it all in-house. So I have control over the final product. So here we are, at episode 300, we're moving towards 600,000 downloads, and we've got quite the following now. And I love to hear from you. I really do. I love to hear from people, whether you're, you're coming to me on Facebook, sending me a message on Facebook, or maybe going to the Vacation Rental Formula, or on one of the Facebook groups, or just emailing me directly at heather@vacationrentalformula.com. At I love it and I read every single one. I mean, certainly don't think that I've got some virtual assistant in the background who just looks at my emails. Every single one is read. I read it. may take me a little bit to get back to you, but trust me, I will do. At It's been difficult and challenging the last eight weeks through the summer. I've been really involved in my property management business. So there's a lot of things that have just fallen by the wayside. You'll hear a bit more about that in uh, probably next week's podcast when I talk about, you know, another summer season gone by and all the things we learned from it because we learn a ton every year. So for those of you who are new to the podcast, welcome. Absolutely fantastic to have you here. And maybe you're looking and thinking, oh my God, 300 episodes, where should I start? Well, you might find some good nuggets of information back at the beginning. And all you need to do is you can go to iTunes and see the huge list of titles. And then you look at the information on there. But, you know, come to vacationrentalformula.com. And go to click on podcasts and you'll see all of the podcasts there. And if anything sort of strikes your fancy, then definitely have a listen to it. But if if you just want a good start, I've written a blog post called the seven seven best podcasts. And you just need to go over to vacationrentalformula.com forward slash best seven podcasts. And I have selected the most popular seven from over the past year. So they are different. There's some interviews, there's some solo episodes. Uh, so take a listen to those and that should give you a, you know, a good grasp of what we, what we talk about here. Let's move on. I didn't have to think long about who would be the best person to feature on this auspicious episode. Amy Hynote has her finger on the pulse of this industry. And as editor and publisher of VRM Intel, she brings the latest news to us just about as soon as she gets it. I don't know where she gets the time from. Amy has far more hours in the day than the normal human being because I don't, I cannot believe that if she had the same amount of time as the rest of us, she could do what she actually does. <laughs> because I'm always amazed, you know, she, she's she's doing conferences, she's writing articles and blog posts and posting on Facebook and talking to people. And anytime I want to talk to her, she's on Skype as well. But she will always bring the latest news just about as soon as it's released. So over the years, Amy and her team have reported on the biggest And the smallest changes from what has been acquired to what has been funded, the newest startups and what's happening in the world of OTAs. And if you want to know what's going on at HomeAway or Airbnb or Booking.com, then you need to head on over to VRMIntel.com because that's where you're going to find the information. Nothing much gets past Amy's desk, really doesn't. You can also learn about the latest in software development, hospitality tips, marketing strategies, and of course, her favorite topic and mine, and I hope yours, which is book direct. And there's going to be a bit more of that later on. So make sure you stick around to the end of this interview when Amy talks about a a really exciting new project she's got on uh, with the book direct movement. So that's VRM Intel. If you haven't subscribed yet to the print copy, it's free and it's delivered to your door if you are in the US. Uh, Hopefully at some point it's going to get delivered to my door in Canada, but we might have to wait a bit for that. But anyway, go on over to the show notes, vacationrentalformula.com and sign up. And that's about it. So without further ado, I'm going to move on over to my discussion with Amy. Mm Amy. So here we are, episode 300, and my guest today is the one person I really wanted to join me for this epic, what would you call it, this this epic um, point in our Vacation Rental Success podcast history, and that's Amy Hynote from VRM Intel. As you know, Amy's been on the show a number of times. I have huge admiration for her, for the development of VRM Intel, the website, the magazine, the conferences, and we will go on and talk about the latest conference that Amy presented in Atlanta in August. But for now, I'd just like to welcome Amy onto the show again. So great to have you back.
1: Thank you for having me again, Heather. I appreciate it. And huge congratulations to you on 300 episodes. That's it's quite an achievement. I can't even imagine how many hours you've put into this podcast. Uh, our whole industry is incredibly grateful to you for the timeless energy that you give us.
0: Well, back, back at you, really, because when you, you know, you are you, you are just such a powerhouse in this industry and have, I, th- I think, promoted it so much as an inclusive and networking industry, which I know from, you know, we both go way, way back to the time when it wasn't so inclusive and friendly. And I think you, you've made it into a much more comfortable space to be. So, you know, just huge kudos to you. But I want to talk about, to start with, you know, to go back over the last five years that we've been doing this podcast and, and just ask you what, and, and I know this is a mega question, <laughs> what, what are the most significant events that have happened in the last five years that have impacted the vacation rental industry. And I know we have events happen every single day. So I'm asking you to sort of pick out the the ones that that you feel had impact that changed the industry at that time and made it move into a different direction.
1: It is a really big question. (laughs) So I would say that there are several things that happened that kind of connected into this chaotic space that we find ourselves right now. And I think Airbnb coming into the scene, focused rights, research, and then home away, of course, being purchased by Expedia. But Airbnb, what they did when they came into the scene is that they brought in a whole new set of inventory. They did not start as a vacation rental marketplace. They started as a marketplace where primary residents could rent out space in their home to make extra money. And as Airbnb grew and they had a PR and marketing machine, I it's really one of the best examples of marketing probably in our lifetime. And but as they grew and started to add, you know, second homes and vacation homes, the industry started to blur with the size that Airbnb brought to the table. And Booking dot com wasn't really even in the space when they started. And so it was pretty much at that point, Airbnb, and then HomeAway, now Verbo, and TripAdvisor well, was a pretty big player, you know, back when Airbnb started. And I think that when they decided, when they brought in that shared residential inventory, then their next step was in that, that urban short-term space and what regulators called illegal hotels, you know, started to come up and... Short term urban and then the residential, primary residential space got lumped into vacation rental. And this is where Focus Right comes in. Focus Right then decided to put out a second study about the vacation rental industry, but this time they called it the private accommodations industry and lumped in vacation rentals, shared residential, and short term urban and made that all the private accommodations industry. But then they compared it up against the traditional vacation real industry of a study they had done three years prior. And it looked like we had this 400% growth in our space. So then investors and you know the venture capitalists and private equity companies started looking at this industry and saying, oh my gosh, what's going on there? That's huge sector growth. And then the money started pouring in and then business models got inflated. You know, having access to all of this cash and then all of a sudden this whole industry started to become something that we weren't used to as a vacation real industry. It was kind of fascinating to watch, but um, I do think it's created a story about our industry that may not be accurate. I was actually on the phone with Rafat Ali, who's the founder of Skift on Friday, and he said they are also having a hard time with terminology about this industry. Because no one really even knows what to call it. I mean, private accommodations is the label that FocusRight put on it. Skift used to use alternative accommodations, but they're not alternative anymore. So that's out. And vacation rentals doesn't really cover the shared residential space. And then the short-term urban space doesn't really feel like a vacation rental either. And then there's actually this subcategory of vacation rentals, which are condo hotels, which would have a pretty decent argument that they should be under their own category. So there's just a lot going on in this private accommodations heading. And I think that the global, the people who are looking at this industry from a global perspective want to pull that all together. But all of those categories operate very differently. They have their own characteristics, their own guests, their own owner behavior, There's just a lot of differences between these categories. And I I don't think we've segmented them accurately. And I think that's led to a lot of confusion in technology products. I think it's led to confusion in inflated capital that's flowing into this industry and i think it's led to an enormous confusion among guests that i don't think we've ironed out yet at all.
0: Oh i think i'm certainly right on that on the guest front because you know, in in the in the last 5 years the the expression it's an airbnb or is this what you do airbnb airbnb it that i was talking to matt lando about that a couple of weeks ago that are we have we lost the expression vacation rentals you know we use it within our communities or so your communities of, of people who actually operate them. But are the guests even thinking about the words vacation rentals anymore? And I I'm certainly don't they don't call them alternative accommodation. I'm going on an alternative accommodation vacation.
1: No. They're not saying, oh, I'm staying in a private accommodation this weekend. I mean, you're absolutely right. It's um it's not what a guest thinks at all. And but the guest, you know, like you said, they're either looking at it as I'm going to an Airbnb which if you live in Chicago or L.A. or New York and you t- you're telling your friends what you're doing, that's the easiest way to describe it. If you're someone who lives in Toronto or Birmingham or Atlanta in areas that people have vacation in vacation homes quite a bit, they'll say things like, I'm going to say, I'm going to the condo in Destin this weekend. Or I'm going to the beach house. I'm going to the cabin, you know, then you get those kind of differentiators. But I just, I agree with you. The Airbnb thing right now, you don't know if an Airbnb, I'm staying in Airbnb this weekend. If that means I'm staying in someone's house this weekend, or I'm going to a condo or a 12 bedroom beach house or a cabin in the woods or a, an apartment in New York. I mean, there's no, it's a pretty wide variety of lodging types. That we're grouping under one corporate name.
0: Yeah, we used to talk about fragmentation in the industry way back, and and that still it's, is that still applies today, right?
1: Yeah, I think um, Jim Olin gave a great quote the other day. It said, he said, "We're the only industry that the more consolidated we get, the more fragmented we get." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, so true, so true. Yeah.
0: So here we are looking ahead. Lots of lots has happened in the in the past five years. Oh, just just to backtrack a little bit. So what did happen to TripAdvisor? Because I remember a going back, and I can't remember how many years it was. A meeting that we all had in a at a VRMA conference. I believe that was in last time it was in New Orleans, and it was about what what happened to TripAdvisor. So are they still relevant?
1: No, no, they're not. And in fact, in their last earnings call, they did not even mention vacation rentals as a segment of their company. They've moved on past this. And um, I th- they still have vacation rentals on their site, but they're not doing anything internally to push that from a corporate level. But I think that, yeah, I, that was three years ago,
0: 2016?
1: No, that was four years four ago. Four years ago, yeah. 50. What, I mean, TripAdvisor bought Flipkey as The Flipkey team left one by one, less and less people there really understood the industry. And they really thought, as many companies do, like Expedia did when they bought HomeAway, they come in thinking this industry is very unsophisticated. It is mom and pop, which for them is a derogatory phrase, not for us, that's a positive thing. <laughs> not for them, it's um, derogatory, and it is—it's it's, you know not as not as knowledgeable as their own businesses. So I think people approach TripAdvisor approached this industry in the, the way that they knew more than the industry did, and therefore the industry should fall in line with the way they wanted to do things. And I think Expedia has done the same thing with Verbo. With Expedia, though, what I found super weird is that the direction that they took verbo I'm still used to getting to <laughs> say it that way, um, it's just copying everything Airbnb did. I, I'll never understand why they did that. I mean, Verbo was really the number one site for whole home vacation rentals. You've got Airbnb doing a really great job on shared residential and short term urban, both sectors that have regulatory issues, but not as well with whole home vacation rentals. And instead of focusing on their base and doing, you know, taking care of the whole home vacation rentals that they have, they decided to chase these Airbnb policies and models. And I I just don't I don't totally understand why they made that decision. TripAdvisor, I don't understand why they made the decision to lose focus on that vacation rental inventory. In 2015, they had a really big footprint in this space and just moved on from it. Um, I don't don't understand having something in your hand like that and then letting it go just because of losing focus. I I don't care. That's why I am not sitting in Expedia offices in Seattle.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Talking about Expedia and the, the news last week which um, which which we heard was that um VRBO Expedia had acquired Canada Stays and for us as property managers in Canada this came as not exactly surprising because they'd had a stake in Canada stays for some time, but a complete acquisition is is, is, is perhaps a little bit different. How, how how does that impact? I mean, it shows that they're continuing to expand and continuing acquisitions. Does this have anything that, that you want to comment on? I don't
1: know a lot about it. I knew there was a strategic investment in the company. Quite honestly, I actually thought they had already bought it. So it was kind of a more of a surprise to me that they weren't already under that umbrella. Going back to this advanced payment stuff that's come up with Yapstone adding this additional fee for homeowners to get paid mm-hmm. um, in advance instead of being paid um, at check-in. You and I have discussed this before, that Canada has different regulations as far as trust accounting and escrow funds and stuff like that, and I don't totally understand how those things play in together now and with this yapstone decision coming to the forefront it just makes me question that a little bit more
0: yeah this is i mean this is certainly what what we're looking at at the moment because in ontario we have regulations that require us to hold all uh, guest monies in a trust account and and, until the vacation has commenced and at that point we are able to pay the owners we have no choice in that matter Uh, and Canada stays have always been TECO members. So I know that the money going into Canada stays, and it has been paid out to us in advance, uh, although we did hear in the past month or two that they were changing this practice and we would be p- being paid more towards the vacation commencing. So we, that, that was a good warning to us that something was in the air so our concern is now you know if money comes into vrbo where is that money being held how is, is it is it in a trust accounting system so so let, let's just step back a little bit and can you just explain to perhaps people who are not quite understanding of what is going on with home away and yapstone and just give us sort of a cliff notes on it
1: and this- more on the owner side than the property management side. So um, this is kind of a new space to me. I did reach out to HomeAway and get a little bit more insight from them. Yapstone as a payment processing option. And I think it was their preferred payment processing option. The company made a decision that they were no longer going to distribute funds to homeowners at the time that they were paid. They were going to distribute them at the time um, of check-in which is what Airbnb does. So this is another Airbnb copy move. But HomeAway says that they are not involved in this at all. This is a Yapstone decision. And sorry, just back up. There is a fee. So if you want, you can receive advanced payments, but you have to pay another 3%. So 3% for the credit card processing and 3% for the ability to get it when the guest pays it. Um, There's also some weird, depending on when the reservation was made and when you enable advanced payment, some reservations that are in the system right now are being booked in the system right now would still be paid at check-in. So we're seeing a lot of, again, just a poor rollout, which is not uncommon for this company but I feel like first of all the whole idea like when a guest pays it just made me or made several of us stop and have a discussion again of when a guest pays Airbnb or pays through the RBO or otherwise pays through a channel management company as the merchant of record the money gets taken in at a certain point but the money gets distributed at a much later point and for companies who live in, in areas that require escrow, trust accounting, they're required to hold that money in trust accounts for the homeowner and distribute that on that check-in in most cases, I think this day after check-in as a protection for the homeowner and for the guest. But it's interesting to me that in these same States and these countries that require that, that these other companies are not required to do it. And I don't totally understand why a red awning or a Humway or an Airbnb are also not required to provide some type of trust or escrow account for this money. It seems like if it's required by a property manager, then it should be required by a merchant of record no matter who or where they are.
0: Yeah, and I think, I think yeah. that's that's the arguments that we're seeing on some of the Facebook groups at the moment. Uh, this not understanding why they're not required to fall in line with with general trust accounting practices that we'd see in the real estate industry. It just seems, I mean, to me, I I guess because we've, we've been involved, we've been using trust accounting for 15 years and we don't know anything else that I I got a little bit confused about where all this money is floating around. And I think the other thing that I
1: find fascinating is when did your credit card processor get to tell you when you were gonna receive money? (laughs) I mean, like, I mean, I sell advertising. if all of a sudden my credit card processor said, we're going to take in money for advertising, but we're not going to pay you that money until after your magazine goes out. I would change credit card processors. I mean, that's I, that. It's one thing for VRBO or HomeAway or Airbnb or you know, or even a property manager to make that decision to protect that money from the, for the guest and the homeowner, but for a credit card processor to do it, I mean, they're just kind of a pass through, right? That's the way I would see it. Yes. Yeah. I just, the whole thing is weird to me, but I do know this. We have seen several companies, both property managers and technology merchant and record companies go out of business because they tapped into advanced payments to, make, to pay operating costs and bills and did not end up making those payments down the road. And anytime you see a technology company like Yapstone come in and want to take money first, I don't know what assurances are either are that they get paid on the back end, but Leisure Link is probably our most notable example that walked away with millions, millions of dollars that was owed to property managers of advance payments that they took and never did distribute.
0: Yeah, and I think we, we, need, we need to look back onto uh, situations like that and to, just stay informed of those to or keeping us informed of those as as we go into the future and of course you know that brings that brings me really to book direct you know if yeah. if you're not liking what's happening and you're feeling threatened then now is if you haven't started looking towards booking direct and getting out of this melee then now is the time
1: I completely agree and i think that I mean, we are taking book direct to a whole new level this year and um I, to try to, to create some additional education for home, for guests around this, but I, and, and additional plot, you know, places, they're trying to expose some of the places where they can go and still find that selection of vacation homes that they're looking for. So they're not losing that ability to select a rental, but definitely being able to find <laughs> a professional homeowner or a professional management company. To book through you know it goes back to that feeder market idea people who know their businesses and know where their business their, their guests are coming from there are other options to them I mean what you're really hoping for by using big player like an airbnb verbo booking.com is that wide variety of guests coming from multiple places but if 90% of your guests are coming from within five hours away you can draw a circle around your rentals and really focus a marketing strategy in that radius.
0: Yeah. And isn't, this is something that Vince Perez of, from Fetch My Guest has been promoting for such a long time because it comes down to collaborating in different, in, in local areas and understanding collectively where your guests are coming from, but working collaboratively to bring those guests to a more localized source.
1: I completely agree with him and he's been consistent about this. As long as I've known Vince, he has preached the same sermon. You know, he's, he's he walks the walk on top of it. There's a lot of um, cliches right there back to back. But you know what I'm saying? He's, he's very, he's incredibly consistent. He's believed that this industry is local at its core the whole way through even though there are many companies trying to tell us that it's not. And I believe that he's right. I, I think that this industry is, still operates on a very local level. I People compare it to retail and they say, oh, well, we're getting Amazon. So like that lo- local retailers lost their business to big box retailers and big box businesses lost out to Amazon. I don't think that our business is retail. I don't think that's the best comparison. I think that the business is a service business. So the comparison is really more like your local HVAC guy and local service businesses do well all across the country. Um, so I don't really think that it is the retail comparison is the right way for us you know, to be looking at it. So when you look at it like that, he's right. There's a lot of opportunity on the local level. If you can get past the global noise that's out there right now.
0: Yes, and it's worthwhile taking a look, and I, I'll put these links onto the show notes. Is is a couple of the the organizations, the Northwest Vacation Rental Professionals Organization and Northeast. What's what is the Northeast? Uh, oh, birthday, uh, vaca- right? vacation rental. Well, the yes. Vacation Rental Professionals of Maine. And now, oh, sorry. So, n- northeaststays.com dot com is for for yeah. the for the Northeast, and then there's a California uh, collaboration as well. So, I think it's really worthwhile taking a look at those. Certainly, if you're a property manager in, in one of those areas and have not yet heard of these organizations, um, because I, I see that as, as the way forward. And so definitely as, as, a, as a northeast, I guess I guess we are here in Ontario, Northeast, we'll be looking at Northeast stays, perhaps to, to join that collaboration. And I think that's something that's, um, that's something we need to look at to stay ahead of changes in the future.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think to add to that, as people try to stay ahead, focusing on what they do really well and where their passions lie in the industry makes it a lot more fun. For people who like tech, there are a lot of new technology innovations that could create some efficiencies for a business, like smart home and like some of the kind of the property care things, the scheduling. um, There's a lot of operations type technology out there right now and a lot with customer communications. But if your passion is not technology, that's really difficult. If your passion instead is hospitality, focusing on the guest experience leads to repeat guests, it leads to lower marketing expenses, and it leads to long-term sustainability of the company. So if you're a hospitality person and that's what you really like to do, then focusing on that has a lot of benefit to the company as well. So I think that we need to find ways to keep this industry fun and and play into the things that we really enjoy as you know, as people and in our careers, I think really has a long can go a long way in this space.
0: So so if you were advising somebody coming into the property management business now, that's one of the top things that you would advise that they play to their strengths right. and, and, and to their fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think that it shows, I think authenticity is where we're headed in almost every area of business, especially relationship oriented and service businesses. And and it shows through and, you know, doing what you're really good at and what you enjoy doing creates a level of authentic relationship that um, people are drawn to and will come back for
0: So before we wrap up, I want to just go back to the latest conference that you did, the VRM Intel Data and Revenue Management Conference in Atlanta. And by all accounts, it was a massive success according to every bit of feedback I've received. Why was it important to have that event and why do you feel it was so well attended? Well, I think that, yeah...
1: Data and revenue management have just become a really, you know, a hot button topic over the last 12 to 18 months. And it's a discipline that's fairly new in our industry. So one of the things that scared me a little bit is looking around is that if you do revenue management poorly, it can hurt you. Like this is a, this is not just one of those things that if you don't do it, you know, or if you do it and you mess it up, then it's fine. You can figure it out later. You can leave a whole lot of money on the table. And you can also cause a price drop into the or price drop in your market by doing this poorly. And so, I think that getting everyone together to try to find best practices and common terminology and common KPIs sooner than later is something that was pretty important to the industry. In addition, there were a lot of there are a lot of data tools and pricing tools popping up that property managers would like to use. But it's been incredibly difficult to differentiate between them, since we haven't really seen them all next to each other to try to see who does what and who doesn't do what, who's really leading and who's starting to lag in that. So I think that that was kind of interesting to see. I don't, you know, it was a good start. I would say that's what it was. Some of the feedback was that we didn't have enough hands-on workshops about how to set pricing. But the problem is we don't have a lot of proven, tried-and-true strategies that would work across markets that property managers are actively implementing. But I think we'll get there. So, will you do this again? <laughs> oh, definitely. Definitely. I think it's an important discussion to have. And I think for people who do list on OTAs, price is pretty much your main differentiator there. So, I think it's pretty critical. It's not as critical for the companies who are independent of OTAs at this stage, but for those companies that their entire model is seen on airbnb booking and verbo then it's pretty critical
0: well i for one will be at the next one i'll also be at the yeah. um vr uh, vrm intel women's summit which you've just announced uh for 2021 so tell us a little bit about that
1: yeah um, we're going back to the ritz carlton and i'm excited about it we signed the contract so it's a done deal and um, pay a deposit on Friday. <laughs> so we decided to go back there because they just did such a good job. And I think that we could do one more year in New Orleans. I think that um, we are looking at doing some things a little bit differently on the content flow. But I'm really excited about it. I thought that the first Women's Summit was really special. It meant a lot to me personally. And um, I, I think that, it was just the kind of event that you want to do again. And so this one is more of a fun project and a passion project than it, than it is anything else. Going back to the fact that our, our industry is about relationships. I think that summit is really good for building those relationships. And um, so I want to continue doing it, but it, we are going to do it every other year instead of every year.
0: Well, that's, that, that's great. And that's definitely one for the, for the calendar. So what's coming up for you in the next six months?
1: I can't believe I'm going to say this right now because we have not announced this anywhere at all, but we are looking at creating a book direct workshop in Orange beach, Alabama um, on November 12th through the 14th. And I'm putting Heather on the spot right now since she will actually be in Alabama that week to um, to help me out with this. But we really wanted to create this kind of get, you know, book direct preparedness thing. The book direct campaign did really well. I pulled up the this, this data from the last campaign and our reach doubled. It was 66 million on Twitter alone. And we sent out 7.5 direct emails, 7.5 million emails directly to consumers who were leads at property management companies, those were leads from property managers. And that was the number of emails we had reported, which was double on every level what we did in the first year. So I think we'd like to see um, that same type of growth curve going into 2020. And so in that, really want to start looking at how people, you know, looking at people's direct strategies and, and how to, you know, getting some ideas from a lot of other property managers and homeowners about what they do to more direct bookings, people who have successfully gotten off of the channel, people who are booking, you know, direct for 70 plus percent of their business. What are they doing right? So I'm really excited about
0: this. I I think that that one is going to be hugely oversubscribed as well. So I'm I'm really glad you mentioned it. I, I think it's just... So needed, and I think it's going that 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 one's going to be a big hit too. So, Amy, we've um, I could go on, you know, we could just go on and talk for the next two hours, and we would not exhaust the topics. But I think for now, I just want to thank you so much for joining me on this 300th episode, and look forward to having you back again. I'll I'll be seeing you uh, in New Orleans at VRMA. I'll see you in Orange Beach in November for sure. Huge congratulations
1: to you. And, again, thank you for everything you do for for me and for this industry. And um, you're an important, important piece of it. So 300 episodes.
0: Congratulations. Thank you so much. We'll be talking soon. Thanks, Heather. So as ever, Amy hino just knocks it out of the park with her knowledge of this business. So whether you're an owner of a single property or a property manager with thousands of homes, there is something for you in VRM Intel. And I do encourage you to go there and just just take a look. If you haven't um, haven't checked it out yet, that is the first port of call after you get off this podcast. And then, of course, you go to Vacation Rental Formula and read the show notes too and leave us a comment. As you heard Amy mention, the book direct workshop that's in the planning stages, this is going to be a high level event that is going to do, it will aim at developing a solid strategy for encouraging guests to book directly in the future. As she mentioned, you know, 66 million people were reached with the last book direct event and that was just on one day. So for the last two years, the um, the Guest Education Day, which is what we call it in February, has had such a massive reach. And this year we're going to be looking at maybe extending it to making it a book direct week to engage even more people. So you'll be hearing so much more about this over the next few months. So thanks, Amy. That was fantastic. So as we go into episode 301 and beyond, you're going to be seeing some changes in the format of the podcast as we're going to add in some new features. We're going to be sharing the resources that Mike and Jason and I use on a daily basis. It was really interesting when when I asked them both to list all the different things that they use, and then I I listed mine. And we all do different things we 've got different interests um, jason is is very much involved in digital marketing. Mike has this graphics background and as well as marketing. Those two are very high on the tech side. I love the hospitality side, so we started mixing all these resources that we use and the things that we find really, really useful and We came up with this massive, massive list. So we thought, well, this would be really, really cool that each week on the podcast, one of us will talk about one particular resource or platform or app that makes our business more efficient, more effective, more fun. And we will talk about why we use that particular product and yeah, just explain what it does for us and how it could possibly work for you. I mean, this is not, it's not selling. Some of them will have affiliate links and we will get a, a, a few pennies if somebody then goes and, and buys it. But we're not going to be talking about anything that we don't actually use ourselves. And and I know when I went through Jason's list and I'm going, oh my goodness, I had not noticed this. And, you know, I hadn't known about this and some of these things are really, really simple and free. A lot of them are are just free resources. So watch out for that. Every week we will be adding another resource that we're going to talk about. And then we're going to devote a page on the website to every single one. So you'll be able to go back to the to vacationrentalformula.com and check out each of those Resources, so I think that's going to be a lot of a lot of fun to do. Actually, I also want to introduce you to some of the best owners and managers in the industry. So I'm going to be talking to these a bunch of people, random people that I I see on forums and in Facebook groups that are really contributing and making a difference to other people. Just going to be getting in touch with them and asking them to share some of their best tips for a successful business. And hopefully over the year, we're going to build up this reservoir of amazing recommendations and tips and advice and suggestions for you. So watch out for that as well. Finally, each week, I'm going to talk about the books I'm reading because I'm an avid reader. I love business books. I'm always the one that's in the airport, you know, looking at all the, I I look at all the business books in the airport bookstore and then go onto Amazon and buy them on Kindle. So I have them available to read when I'm traveling. Um, So I want to kick off this week and just talk briefly about one of my favorites. And I'm reading it at the moment, and I'm reading it for the probably the third or fourth time because it always reminds me that this is something I need to do. And the book is called They Ask, You Answer by Marcus Sheridan. And briefly, Marcus calls it a business philosophy, which when embraced fully, which will make you the most trusted voice in your industry. And think about you being the most trusted voice in your area about your location. And we talk about this a lot about content, but what Sheridan says, it begins with an obsession of understanding the answer to one question. What is my customer thinking? Sheridan tells this wonderful story about when he was a pool guy and learning about swimming pools and listening to all the questions that people were asking about different types of swimming pools. And what he did was take every single question and create a content piece out of the answer. And in doing so, he became and his his team and subsequently his company became the most trusted voice in the industry for pools and spas so this is so easily translatable i would really encourage you to go get they ask you answer it is a terrific book it's easy it's easy, really really easy read and it is you you'll be inspired by it i know uh, i i was when i first read it We're starting a new content strategy for our business at the moment, and I'm completely re-inspired right now, uh, just because I read a couple of chapters last night. So I'm going to head out now and go talk to my team about creating um, some, some new content for our website, which is just based on the gazillion questions that our guests have asked us over this summer. So yeah, I would say go get that book and and read it. And I'd love to hear what you think. So that's it for this 300th episode. I I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed the new music. I have a new outro as well. I know the old music was getting a little bit boring for some people. I did get some, some feedback. We did listen to everything that people were saying on the surveys. And thank you, all of you who completed those surveys. Don't forget to, uh, to let us know what you think. So uh, with that in mind, I'm going to head for the, uh, the closing music now. And thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to being with you again next week.